When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. In today's video, we're once again going to be discussing wizarding wealth. It's a hot topic, people want to talk about it. Why is Harry so rich? Why do the Lestranges have a vault full of gold? Who is the richest family? These are all questions I've answered in the past, however, what I've never properly answered is how the Malfoy family were able to amass their wealth. The wizarding world has an economy just like our own, with mediums of exchange and a system of finance. And they also of course have their own wizarding money, coming in many different forms including galleons, sickles, and canuts. Galleons are the largest form of currency, equivalent to about 17 sickles or 493 canuts. According to the Forbes Fictional 15, which takes speculation to the next level when it ranks the net worth of all different sorts of fictional characters, Lucius Malfoy is worth an astonishing 1.3 billion USD, or 943,542,000 pounds. If we convert that into Muggle currency, that gives us a figure of approximately 188,708,000 galleons. Not bad, Lucius. Astonishingly, the Malfoys are not the richest family in the wizarding world, but they're certainly up there, probably top three. When we think of the Malfoy family lineage, certain words come to most people's minds, but these words scarcely hold a positive connotation. Usually when someone says Malfoy, you might think bigot or prejudiced, but that's a reputation that was earned through centuries of intolerance. In fact, the name Malfoy comes from Old French and literally means bad faith. These are characteristics almost ingrained in their bloodline, and it wasn't until really Draco that this intolerance began to waver somewhat. Historically, they are a wealthy family of morally crooked witches and wizards that will whimper when caught red-handed and gloat when in a position of power. So how did this family acquire their immense level of wealth? Well, I'm about to air their dirty dark secret. They're rich exclusively because of muggles. Per Pottermore, like many other progenitors of noble English families, the wizard Armand Malfoy arrived in Britain with William the Conqueror as part of the invading Norman army. Having rendered unknown, shady, and almost certainly magical services to King William I, Malfoy was given a prime piece of land in Wiltshire, seized from local landowners, upon which his descendants have lived for ten consecutive centuries. Their wily ancestor Armand encapsulated many of the qualities that have distinguished the Malfoy family to the present day. 
The Malfoys have always had the reputation, hinted at by their not altogether complimentary surname, of being a slippery bunch, to be found courting power and riches wherever they might be found. In spite of their espousal of pure-blood values and their undoubtedly genuine belief in wizard superiority over muggles, the Malfoys have never been above ingratiating themselves with the non-magical community when it suits them. The result is that they are one of the richest wizarding families in Britain, and it has been rumoured for many years, though never proven, that over the centuries the family has dabbled successfully in muggle currency and assets. Over hundreds of years, they have managed to add to their lands in Wiltshire by annexing those of neighbouring muggles, and the favour they carried with royalty added muggle treasures and works of art to an ever-expanding collection. Isn't it horribly ironic that the Malfoys' wealth, of which they are so proud, stems from the very thing that they vow to hate so much? But the reality is, this hypocrisy has been going on for a very long time. In fact, one of the Malfoys' ancestors, who is arguably the most anti-muggle Malfoy, was a wizard named Brutus Malfoy, who once remarked that, Nothing is a surer sign of weak magic than a weakness for non-magical company. Well, what does that say about your bloodline then, Mr. Brutus? In fact, as it turns out, Brutus Malfoy, the man who sat on a pile of muggle-provided money, was the editor of the anti-muggle periodical Warlock at War. He assumed this position because he didn't want to just sit idly by hating muggles, he wanted to spread the word, and he wanted to demonise anyone that would fraternise with muggles or muggle-borns. He even believed that witches and wizards who associated with muggles were stupid and lacked magical talent, an entirely skewed perspective likely fabricated out of hate. In 1675, he said the following, This we may state with certainty, any wizard who shows fondness for the society of muggles is of low intelligence, with magic so feeble and pitiful that he can only feel himself superior if surrounded by muggle pigmen. Nothing is a surer sign of weak magic than a weakness for non-magical company. However, with all of that said, the Malfoys have always drawn one line in the sand when it comes to fraternising with muggles, and that line of course pertains to their level of wealth. Yes, Armand Malfoy, who served William the Conqueror, was given land in exchange for services, but that's not the only source of their wealth. The Malfoys also amassed paintings, gold, jewels, and all other kinds of valuable goods, all through fraternising with wealthy muggles. Historically, the Malfoys drew a sharp distinction between poor muggles and those with wealth and authority. Until the imposition of the Statute of Secrecy in 1692, the Malfoy family was active within a highborn muggle circles, and it is said that their fervent opposition to the imposition of the statute was due, in part, to the fact that they would have to withdraw from this enjoyable sphere of social life. Though hotly denied by subsequent generations, there is ample evidence to suggest that the first Lucius Malfoy was an unsuccessful aspirant to the hand of Elizabeth I, and some wizarding historians allege that the Queen's subsequent opposition to marriage was due to a jinx placed upon her by the thwarted Malfoy. Yeah, you heard that right, the Malfoys were in opposition to the Statute of Secrecy because it threatened their lifestyle. However, this fact certainly didn't mean that they wouldn't later pivot on their position entirely, later vocalising a fervent stance supporting the divide of the two worlds. With that healthy degree of self-preservation that has characterised most of their actions over the centuries, once the Statute of Secrecy had passed into law, the Malfoys ceased fraternising with muggles, however well-born, and accepted that further opposition and protests could only distance them from the new heart of power, the newly created Ministry of Magic. 
they performed an abrupt vault face and became as vocally supportive of the statute as any of those who had championed it from the beginning, hastening to deny that they had ever been on speaking, or marrying, terms with muggles. In typical Malfoy fashion, the family tucked their tails between their legs, and upon recognizing that the statute was going to be introduced, whether they liked it or not, quite openly changed their perspective on the whole thing. This type of behavior is consistent with the Malfoys, and reminds me of, uh, I don't know, Lucius, who was a devout Death Eater when Voldemort was standing next to him, but would switch sides in a heartbeat if he recognized the chance of Voldemort's downfall. Over time, without the supply of jewels and goods that previously came from muggles, the contempt toward them eventually became genuine. And there you have it, the massively hypocritical truth regarding the Malfoys and the reason for their immense wealth. I'm sure if you asked Lucius or Draco about how the family amassed their fortune, they'd give you a very different answer. But this, this is the truth. And that's it for this video. If you enjoyed the content, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and leave a comment down below. Until next time, it does not do to dwell on dreams, but forget to live.